Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now, and it starts after a little bit of a hiatus. What's going on, citizens? Global Voice here. You're locked into the podcast for creatives, thinkers, and doers. Did you miss me? I kind of missed you. No, I'm just kidding. I missed you so much, but a lot more than I want to admit. And if this is your first time checking in with New Amsterdam, we just came back from a month-long hiatus, give or take. I had the chance to, to see a little bit of the world, went over to the East uh, the far east in japan uh loved it loved being part of of the the opening up of japan they were locked down for a long time even longer than most nations and being able to open myself up for new experiences makes that um just a lot more fun uh my guest this week is drew donaldson and he is going to tell you about his uh start into entrepreneurship and how it was a windy road. But before we get into that, let's do some housekeeping. New Amsterdam Radio, newamsterdam.com is brought to you part by SeatGeek. You know, when I was over there in Japan, I uh, didn't have SeatGeek at the ready, unfortunately, and it took me a long time to find tickets to shows over there. So I know when I get to be back in American soil, when I want to see local events in my area, I hit up SeatGeek and you can too. Make sure you use promo code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, for $20 off your first order. That's $20 off. I mean, look, you don't know how much tickets cost. $20 off is fantastic. Use promo code FLOBITO, F-L-O-B-I-T-O, over at SeatGeek and SeatGeek.com on your first ticket order. And of course, if you want to know about the things we support, the Orlando Aces at this recording went undefeated in their Florida Grid League season, and they'll be heading over to the playoffs. Can't say uh, I am over the moon because I'm over the moon twice being able to go out there, see the team, and got myself a jersey uh, just representing the team. Uh, it was really cool to be part of it and watch their journey into playoffs too, so props for them. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm chilling. I want to know what you're working on as well. Hit me up at Flobo Boys on X and Blue Sky and at Flobito or New Amsterdam on that Instagram and or threads. Now, Drew Donaldson is a very interesting case because he is really what I like this show to be. I mean, there's so many programs and content out there that talks about how easy it is to start just believing yourself. And there's some content out there that tells you, hey, look, I've been a successful entrepreneur for 30 years. Here's what you're doing wrong. But Drew is in the thick of it. His company, Grow House, has seen many different iterations, twists and turns, and hopefully he provides some value to you. Let me know what you think. You can always hit me up on social. Check out the, the show. Share the show with some friends. Let me know if you want more of this, less of this, different things. I'm always open for that because New Amsterdam Radio is for you. Now, enough of my rambling and jibber-jabbering and jaw-jacking. For the first time in about a month, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Let's get ready for that conversation with Drew Donaldson. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creators. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Voice, in the mayor's office, and I'm back from vacation. About to get to work with someone who is doing the work every dang day. Please welcome from Grow House, Drew Donaldson to the show. What's going on, sir? Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. 
Oh, no problem. Hope like that intro because we don't pay our guests, so that was like totally my payment to you. you know oh saying? no, that's that works, man. That sounded great. <laughs> you know, bro, I will. can't complain? So I have to ask a question off the top before we get into your business. You are a CEO, right? What is the CEO yes. life like? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Is it somewhere in between? It's not as glamorous as you'd think, to mm -hmm. tell you the truth. I but mean, I think at some. What's that? Rick Ross said otherwise, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is when you start a company, you you don't start it for a title. You start it because you have a passion for something, you have a talent for something, uh, and then as you grow and you adopt these people into your orbit, whether it be vendors or, or staff or freelancers or whatever, uh, you kind of have to evolve into this leader. You have to evolve into the C suite. So I think it's a it's a different thing building your own company and becoming CEO the organic way rather than a company just coming and plucking you and be like, Oh, you're the new chief executive. Okay. So it's not, that's what I mean. When it's not as glamorous. You know, I didn't get like a big signing bonus when I, when I started here, I, I started with, you know, a couple bucks in my bank account and like a desire to help people start businesses. Absolutely. So let's talk about it. Grow house besides a cool name and having house felt like house. what was the idea yeah. behind it and how were you planning to help other businesses when you decide to launch? So uh, first, the, the name is actually kind of an homage to my dad. My dad, for you know, the first 10 years of my life, all he talked about was wanting to open up his own greenhouse and, uh, and have you know, kind of a, a lawn and garden center. And, and that was his dream. He wanted to, to leave the bank he was working for and, and start this business. And, and right around the time I was eight or nine, he got the opportunity to do it. He did it. It was, uh, it, it was a huge opening. It was a great success. Unfortunately, he died like a year afterwards. So oh, he man. got to see his dream come to fruition only to have his life cut short, right. which always just stuck with me because this guy was as passionate about growing uh, fruits and vegetables and hostas and everything you can imagine as I am about growing businesses. And so though when I when I was thinking about what what do I call this business, I and it, it just came naturally that, you know, grow house is the best way because the, the best thing, because it's the same nurturing and care that my dad put into plants I'm putting into business owners. And so the way we do that is is primarily through coaching, consulting, and agency services. And uh, we've been doing it for we started actually right before the pandemic, which is a great time to start a business. In case you're uh, in case you're wondering, uh, and but we've been we've been at it. You know, we we took the slings and arrows, and now we're uh, was it three and a half years in and rolling strong. Uh, and you're an East Coast kid, born and raised. That's right. I live in a house 15 minutes away from where I grew up. And what was that like putting that sensibility into your business, the way you run your business? Uh, well, you know, I didn't I didn't come I, I came from rural America. So most of the people I knew were small business owners in the very traditional sense. They own tire stores or dental practices or, uh, you know, dog walking businesses like they weren't these big they weren't startups in Silicon Valley. They weren't these, you know, uh, uh, huge companies that are like technically a small business, but they have 100 employees. Like right. they were truly mom and pop shops. And so that's what I grew up experiencing. My mom owned an insurance agency at the time. And so I used to go there and file for her and, you know, white out folders so that she could recycle them <laughs> so that she didn't have to spend as much on office supplies. And so like growing up in that environment uh, has a huge impact on the way you perceive business and the economy. Like I didn't have the, the, the glamour was never part of it. I never thought of business as like, Oh, I'm going to wear a suit one day and I'm going to go like, 
I was thinking, no, I'll be wearing t-shirt and jeans and driving around a pickup truck doing something. Like that was my version yeah. of like what small business ownership meant because that's all I saw. Like it was, it was farmers. It was people that would come over and fix your sink. So I think that really uh, instilled a, a value of like the service business and, uh, and manual trades and, and working for people that, you know, it, it's not a matter of their level of education. It's the amount of dedication they put into the work. And so that's that I think is colored more than anything. Uh, my, my perspective on this business. Uh, Pennsylvania. You know me asking? Pennsylvania. That's right. So are you team Wawa or team sheets? What's that? Are you team Wawa or team sheets? Oh, sheets. Get out of here with this Wawa. Nonsense. I, I gotta, I gotta ask. Everyone in Pennsylvania has a choice. I had, I'm sorry. First off, first off, if you haven't been to a sheets, go to a sheets. It's great. Right. They have the best fries in the world. They have like, so imagine every appetizer you could possibly imagine, like all the great ones, they all have them. They you can just order them mozzarella sticks, zucchini fingers, fried pickles, uh, deep fried Oreos, like literally anything you could want, sheet sells. Wawa just has sandwiches and not even good sandwiches. Like Quick Check does a better sandwich than. Uh, Whoa, than those are fighting words, man. Oh, yeah. Come, <laughs> come find me. I'll send you my address. <laughs> come at me, bro. Exactly. Uh, I, I've only I've only experienced the fancy Wawa's because I went to college in Florida, but I have not seen the original oh. Wawa because I lived in New York and we didn't have those. Yeah, uh, so it's like dang. Um, and shout out to your mom recycling office supplies because people forget before Amazon they were really expensive. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of outfits out there that that have the tagline, "Hey, you're going to help your business grow." In fact, a lot of small business owners could be That's pretty right. much inundated by vendors who want to help you out. In fact, I've blocked Yelp six times this week myself uh what makes grow house different and and what do you do differently uh when it comes to explaining what you do to help other businesses out uh well i think the first thing is that i know every single one of my clients personally by name i know their families i know their businesses inside and out i spend an inordinate amount of time building a relationship with them uh before we ever do business together and the reason for that is because before I ever take a dollar from somebody, I want to make sure I can actually help them. And there are plenty of people that I talk to every week that I turn down because I don't think I can help them. It could be because the industry they're in is just not a good fit for my methodologies. It could be that them as a person, I don't think they're going to be the kind of coachable person that is going to succeed with me telling them, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And it's not perfect. We still have people come in and we work together and we're like, yeah, this isn't a fit. But because I spend so much time doing that pre-work, our success rate is really good. And I've mm -hmm. always been very proud of the success we've had and the testimonials we received. And I'm always very open about showing even my own campaigns and saying, this is exactly the amount of money I'm spending. The ad yeah. you saw, you clicked on, here's what it looks like. Here's what the actual numbers look like. Here's what my return on that ad is. And even going as far as asking permission from my clients, hey, can I open up your, your ad account? on a, a call with a client and show them exactly what we're doing for you. And so by being as transparent as possible and building that relationship with clients, we just have a really good success rate because I'm not pawning all my clients off to someone that has no idea what their business is, who's just there to fill a seat and collect a paycheck. Like, because I take that ownership in their business, that is the, the direct correlation of why we have so much success in this space. Sure. You know, a lot of times clients, uh, I, I call it like the other side, the two sides of the spectrum, right? When we work with a client, either they're kind of like, I don't know, just just make me rich. And then there's other clients yeah. who are kind of like, no, man, I want to be high-fiving Oprah by next week. Can you make that happen? Like, how do you temper or, or even explain the, the limitations given with every client or, or package or their business? 
So like both of those people wouldn't be good uh, clients for me because we don't work with people who believe in get rich quick. I, I prefer get rich slowly, work hard. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that in order to scale to that level in any business is going to take a lot of work. Like, yeah, I could write you a killer ad and I've written campaigns that have generated hundreds of leads overnight. It's, it can be done. But if that's what you're counting on that, I'm going to wave some magic wand and turn like, turn your business into a success overnight. It's not the right expectation to have coming into a relationship like this. Like sure. I'm going to put my honest to God effort into, into helping you grow this thing. I'm expecting you to put in that same effort. If your mindset is, Hey, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to walk away, not do anything. And then you're just going to make this thing explode. There's plenty of people. I'll take your money to do that. I'm not right. going to be one of them though. Like I'm really looking for people I can partner with who are coachable, who understand, who, who are interested in what we do. Like, it's one thing to want someone to do the heavy lifting that I get. Yeah. We have tons of clients like that. It's another thing to say, I don't want to even think about this. I don't want to think about my customers. I don't want to think about my messaging, my positioning, just make me rich. Sure. That's not a, that's not a recipe for success. Oh, it's not. I'm write that down. No, no, yeah. no, no I'm totally kidding. Let's take, a step, let's, let's take a step back. I know you had the idea and I know you were inspired by others and their aspirations for entrepreneurship. You had the moment to say, look, I, I have an idea. I think it can work or I know it can work. Let's make it happen. But what was your ramp up to launch like? Was it kind of like Sleepless Night? Did you have a strong team, a big team? Did people, were there haters in the streets? Uh, what was going through uh, your circle while getting Girl House off the ground? So January 2020, I was in the last year of a consulting agreement, and I knew by the end of the year, I was probably going to cycle out. Um, I'd grown kind of tired of what I was doing. And so I started looking at like what my next step was going to be. And so I filed the paperwork, got everything set up, started working, got to the point where I'm starting to put packages together, and then the entire world shuts down, right? right. So now we're in March. For the rest of the year, what I spent most of my time doing uh besides the consulting work I was doing was talking to small business owners. And that process took about nine months. I spent nine months just on the phone every day with business owners of all different stripes from all around, pretty much anyone who would pick up the phone, asking them what were the challenges they were facing in marketing? You know, what did they need the most help with? What were their budgets like? And essentially telling them up front, I have absolutely nothing to sell you. I cannot, I could not sell you something if I wanted to, and you're not going to buy it because everybody is broke and scared right now anyway. <laughs> so let's just have a really honest conversation about what you need help with so that maybe someday I can circle back and, and give you something that's going to make, make sense for you. Sure. And so I did that all throughout the year. And then around November, I just happened to intersect with these two other gentlemen who are starting an agency with a very similar model. And they're also in Pennsylvania. And the idea was like, why don't, you know, instead of launching two competing agencies at the same time, why don't you come on, run the agency? We'll cover, you know, we'll give you a salary. That way you don't have to worry about, you know, the slings and arrows of, uh, of starting a business from scratch. Uh, but then we'll be partners in it, right? So we'll own 60% of the business. You'll own 40% and whatever. So uh, we did that for a year and we, you know, wrapped up that research. We went into the market. We got banned on Facebook our very first day of advertising. Wow. Full ban. <laughs> Too hot for uh, Facebook. <laughs> exactly. And it was on, it, this is back when like Facebook was really sensitive about text in the image ratios. Sure. sure and sure. we just had a lot of very, um, very text heavy ads and it got flagged. Now, obviously it's a totally different game now. You'd never get banned for that on Facebook. They've changed the rules. But back then 
if you had too many word letters, they would they would take it off. And we just had too many letters on too many ads, and they not kicked us off Facebook right away. Yeah, that so to me actually had, for one of my tour date posts. Where I was like, I'm going to tour. Yeah. And it was like, not today, you're not. And that was yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what we did is we put all of uh, all of our effort into designing a landing page that would convert and pay per click ads. And within three months, we had scaled the business to six figures, uh, and that really validated the fact that if we could price this affordably, if we could create a program that helps the person that's just starting today, and that also fits the person that's 10 years in the business, there's money to be had with this personal level of service that we have in this, this deep interest in businesses and not just, oh yeah, sign up for our coaching program. You're going to be in a group coaching with 400 other people. And, you know, hopefully we'll talk to you, but probably not. Like that's what the only alternative was either that or hire a big agency or, you know, piece together a freelance team. And so we realized that there was some, there was a market for this. And so for the next year, we ran the business together. We did all sorts of, we started doing group sessions, whereas first we were just doing one-on-one. We did live streams for a period of time. We just tried a bunch of stuff. And the following year, uh, March of last year, uh, they came to me and said, you know what? I think we kind of want to move on to something else. What do you think about buying us out? Mm -hmm. And uh, I jumped at the opportunity uh, they came to me March 1st at the end of March was our second most profitable month of all time. So I was feeling really good signing the paperwork to, uh, to close the deal. And April 1st of last year, I took the business over completely. Uh, we rebranded, we were temporarily under a different brand name. We rebranded back to the original name of grow house and we've been just rolling ever since. And, uh, just every month we get better at better at what we do and what the services we're offering and better position to help the people that really matter in this country. A personal question. I understand it was the pandemic and everyone was kind of scared and it was, everyone had sea legs about that, but it has to be a part of you. The, 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 the mamba mentality, the, the CEO's kind of ego, maybe that you're like, well, okay, this is kind of a side quest, right? I'm, I'm doing this under another banner. Yeah. I got a cut of it, but it's not really the goal I had in mind at first. What kept you in that bubble that year, year and a half you're in that agreement? Uh, I will, I will say that it, it did not take very long for me to start having wandering eyes and sure. say, you know what? There are differences in the way I want to run this business and how I know this business needs to be run and the way they want me to run this business. And we would clash a lot of, of that. We had very different perspectives on what needed to do and what the evolution was like and what the timeline was like for success and what success actually looked like. And so it, it didn't take long for that to, to start gnawing on me. And there were plenty of times during that first year and a half that I went to my wife and I said, uh, I think I'm just going to quit. I think I'm just going to give them back the company. I'm just going to go back to doing CMO work and give this up because it's just, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it to me to walk in every day and have this fight of how to grow a business that I know how to grow. Like I, I, I know what needs to happen. And in, in a lot of instances, it felt like they were standing in my way of, of making that happen. Not always. Many times they were very, very supportive. I don't want to, uh, you know, make it seem like they were villains in this story at all. Right. Uh, but there were just, there were differences about the way we approach the world that made me feel like I could not push this business to where I wanted to be. So when that happened, when they came to me and said, Hey, we want out, I was over the moon. Like, <laughs> yeah. even though I knew it was going to cost me a fortune to buy them out, like I was tap dancing down the stairs to tell my wife who at the time was six months pregnant that I was about to invest all of our money buying <laughs> yeah. my partners out of this business because I knew we had something. I knew we had something special. 
And uh, in just the last year since we bought them, we've grown 150%. So as soon as we, you know, kind of uh, uh, took the business over and were able to take it in the direction that I, I saw the, pro the, the prosperity in, uh, immediately things started going our way. So it's just, you're right. There, there's absolutely this, um, this sense of like, man, there's just so, there's so much more I could do if I could just really hold the steering wheel and not pretend to hold the steering wheel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I do appreciate that they gave me the initial start to, to get us going in the first place and to validate those ideas. So it's a, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's one of the cool things about what, what we do is that you think about the betting yourself or making the leap, but we learn very quickly, those are in the space, you make leaps like daily, if not on the hour. Yeah. So the props you were able to better yourself again and have the opportunity is amazing. I think that's the most encouraging thing uh, for people in that sense. What I like about Grow House though is perusing the website is that you are totally open with sharing some information for people to check out and learn more about what their needs and their businesses in life. And then you actually had an article here, uh, which I really appreciated because it was like how to get started marketing on social where you don't have anything to sell. Because I really feel that a lot of uh, would-be entrepreneurs get handcuffed at the launch first hype, first launch first hype. In fact, here's an anecdote. A friend of mine wants to launch a podcast, but they're like, well, you know, I got to wait till April because I got to do this, this, that, that, and that. Uh, what I, what something, I guess, question I have for you there is like, what's been some of the uh, the old school ways of thinking, conventional wisdom that's actually not conventional when it comes to helping entrepreneurs be themselves and, you know, lead into their businesses? Well, I think the first thing is that everyone assumes paid media is the last thing you do, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the, it's the thing that costs money, right? So, oh, well, don't spend money until you have to. That's, that's the traditional wisdom. Do all the free things first. But that actually costs you more money. And the, the proof in the pudding is time cost. So can you go and post on Facebook every day of the week? You sure can. Is it going to take you a lot of time? Yes, it will. How much return just posting organically on Facebook every day are you actually going to get? Almost right. nothing because Facebook has zero organic reach. And if you're just starting out with no audience, no one's going to see your post. So you have a couple options. You you know request, and I guarantee people listening have, have done this because I've done this in the early days. You go and you hit that invite button a thousand times and invite every single person on your friend list, even if they have no idea what your business is or in your target market. Right. Uh, you you know you you try to get as much free publicity as you can. You're on Harrow. You're trying to get on podcast. You're doing as much stuff as possible to get your name out there. But at the end of the day, organic reach is always going to be limited. There's always going to be a social platform that has good organic reach. TikTok has pretty good organic reach right now. YouTube Shorts, pretty good organic reach. Facebook and Instagram are dead. You cannot get organic reach on those platforms whatsoever unless you're already like a big star and, you know, Facebook has kind of given you the golden circle of like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you as much exposure as you want because you keep people on the platform. But if you're just starting out, you're not going to be one of those people. And so I think the the big mistake people think is like, well, I have to produce all this content. I have to grow this thing organically. I just have to do the Gary V 60 pieces a day forever and, and just burn myself out. When the reality is, is the first thing I would do if I was starting a business is run a paid ad. And the reason is because I want to validate the idea of the business before I invest any time or money into marketing, right? Or sure. additional money, extra money. I don't want to build a website first. I don't want to go and invest in content. I don't want to write blogs. I don't want to do anything. I want to put one video out and see if I can get people to click on it. If people can click on it, then that tells me the idea is worth something. And then I can build the rest of my funnel. Then I can build my website. But yeah. if you put out an ad for dog walking, right? So you want to own a dog walking business. I live in a town of 1,500 people, way out in the, the hinterlands of Pennsylvania, right? 
I go put an uh, ad out. First off, I don't even know if Facebook would let me target just my town. Uh, that's, a, that's to be determined. But say they could. Right. If there's not enough people that want to hire a dog walker, why would I go through all the effort of creating content and a website and promotional material and flyers and all this stuff when there's the market doesn't exist to begin with? The market doesn't want me to begin with. So instead of going and wait, building all the marketing foundations that people tell you, what you really need to do is just run one ad, run one ad with the core concept of your business and see if people click on it. And if they do, great. Now figure out why, figure out what, what that market actually looks like. What are they really interested in? How much are they willing to spend? But until you validate that idea, all other marketing is really just kind of window dressing. It's not, it doesn't really get you as close to the goal as you think. It's really just more to show people that, oh, I'm working on my business. Well, I apologize for, for drilling down here in this particular subject. Because I feel like a lot of us, when we have that first idea, we just assume idea comes out, family loves it, friends love it. They'll be lifting me up in the streets, with, with then confetti is going to fall from the sky. And then when our family and friends go, ah, we're not really buying into that, we feel like the model's broken, and then no one likes us, no one supports us, wah, wah, wah. So I don't think, it's, I think it's a little bit more of like a, that back to that conventional wisdom thing when they go, well, do I want to put money up into an ad if if grandmama won't buy one? If my friends want discounts, <laughs> you know, is it worth it? So unless you're selling photo albums from your family reunion, your family and friends are not your target market most of the time, right? Yeah, right. Uh, my one of my best friends here is an engineer. He works in robotics. He has a little small business. Drew, isn't he a client of yours? No, he's not. Because he doesn't want to grow his business. He makes these custom bike parts. He sells enough to put some extra money in his pocket. He's not interested in the services I provide. He's not interested in replacing his day-to-day -day income, right? Yeah. My family and friends are not the core demographic for my services. Most of my family now, if I looked at them, they're going to be farmers. They're going to be in the construction arena uh, or they're retired, right? A lot of my like uncles and aunts, they don't have businesses anymore. They're retired from their businesses. So why would I go and take an idea to them if they're not the right demographic? The biggest mistake you can you can make is trusting your mom when it comes to your business ideas. Like <laughs> she is going to tell you they are just the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then your brother will come in your room and tell you you're stupid. Like that is just how family works when, when you have a, a, a business idea. The better way is to go to a cold audience, people that don't know you, people that don't work, care about your feelings. Like the market will tell you in brutal terms, whether you are on track or not. And if you're not, like you are going to find out much quicker than you would from your family who is only going to, you know, Monday morning quarterback you after the thing has failed. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to work. Now nah, I should go back to the nine to five. You know, yeah, they'll be supportive today. But when time when the time comes to actually like ring the register, most people's families are not the, the core market for that. Yeah. I mean, as we say in the streets, he preaching right now. He's preaching. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate again. Appreciate your candor, appreciate your insight. And sometimes people need to hear that. And I mean, your friends and family are great. They will say, "Good job," but good job doesn't really pay the bills. Uh, well, this is New Amsterdam Radio. I'm sitting here with with Growhouse CEO, not not a guy who works there. The guy who basically <laughs> crafted the company uh, from the ashes, Drew Donaldson. And before we get you out of here, there's some questions we have to ask all our guests on a personal level. I'm not sure if you're down to play a little bit of lightning round. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you believe in days off? And if so, what do you do? Uh, I do. I do believe in days off. I think it's important to recharge the batteries. I think it's the whole reason I'm in this business in the first place. The reason I started this business is because I wanted to spend more time with my family. 
Um, the way I, I have the traditional weekend, um, Saturday, Sunday is no work days. Like I might put in a couple hours at night when the, uh, the family goes to sleep, but those days are reserved for hanging out with them, doing family stuff. Mondays and Fridays, I also take off partially. Some days I, I do work uh, on Fridays, but Mondays I take off almost entirely. And the reason for those two days is those are my administrative days. So I do all of my work Tuesday through Thursday. And then Monday and Friday is the day where I catch up on bills and return emails that are long overdue and, and all of that fun CEO stuff. So uh, by doing that, uh, it, it makes it so that the work I put in Tuesday through Thursday, I can do 10, 12 hour days and cover myself for the week. I don't have yeah. to then go and, and spend time on the weekends and away from the family and, and dip into these other pockets of time uh, because I only have three days at a, at a session to sprint through. Man's got a schedule. Uh, with your team, how, how do you particularly team build to keep morale up during times of, uh, of lean periods? Uh, so I, I think the, the first thing is understanding where your actual needs are and not hiring people just because they're friends, family, et cetera. I'm a big proponent of not hiring friends and family. Um, tried that in the past, did not go well, so we don't do it anymore. <laughs> so I, I really look at, first off, can I bring someone on part-time to do a job or do I need them full-time? And do, I, I hire for specific tasks. I don't like generalists because a generalist too often gets overloaded with work because it's like, oh, well, that's what they're for. Just throw more on their lap. I would rather, like my project manager, all she does is project management. My okay. video editors, all they do is edit video. That's it, right? My social person, all he does is post on social and help run the ad campaigns. That's it. So there's there's no, there there's a clear silo around each person. And I hire that person for that specific need and nothing else. Now, occasionally a need will expire. Like, for example, uh, with our project manager, uh, we realized that the, the project load that we had a couple months back was a little lighter than we anticipated. So mm -hmm. what we did is we trained her in a new practice and then she split her time. So she did this one practice uh, that was really helpful to for us uh, executing the clients or executing for clients. And then she did the core project management as well. But we weren't loading other, we weren't like, oh, by the way, can you also do this? Can you also do this? It was still in the management arena. It was still played to her core competencies. So my, my perspective is not to flood, like not to go and hire a bunch of people, uh, hire the people that are very specific and very good at what they do. But for morale, like what do you do the team build, like the the camaraderie, like the feeling, you know, did that like feel like they're like going to, to enslave camp or something like that? No, no. So it, it's, um, it's very hard to do that with an all digital business because we do not have an office. People are not showing up. We're not having parties or anything like that, but we do meet each week. Uh, I congratulate everyone on the, the work that they do well. I think the one thing that uh, most leaders fail to do is acknowledge success in their team. And so I always take time to uh, in front of everyone say like, man, uh, you know, uh, Odessa, you just crushed it this week or lady, you just crushed it this week. Uh, those, uh, those little things really can add up uh, that and uh, bonusing people when they really deserve it. Uh, I think those go a long way, like showing appreciation for another person's work, even in small ways, um, is incredibly powerful when it comes to keeping that morale high. I think the other thing is under is being really flexible. My team does not have to ask for days off. They do not have to ask for sick days. They do not have to ask if uh, their parent is sick and needs to take like they just say, hey, I need to take the time off. I'm not, you know, in the business of trying to, uh, you know, be a stickler and pointing at the time clock and saying, Oh, you, you aren't back from lunch. I don't care. 
the work just needs to get done. If the work gets done, I don't care if you do it at three in the morning. It doesn't matter to me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm more concerned with the wellness of you as a human being and that you're going to stick around because I like you and I like the work you do. So that's really how I how I approach it. It's, it's not like these, it's not like Google where I'm like, I'm buying pod chairs for everybody or spinny hats. Like none of that stuff really matters. It, what really matters is just treating people how you'd want to be treated and like a human being. I mean, I, I like pizza parties. Uh, I, got, I got two more for you. Uh, everyone collects something. What do you collect? I collect a lot of things. <laughs> I collect probably too many things. Um, baseball hats is one okay. of them I collect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a bunch of just baseball hats from around the country from different businesses. So I really like uh, that's probably one of my big collections. Um, some of my otter collections are like. Uh, I collect a lot of like historical artifacts that I live in a very old house. And so we found different artifacts around the house. And so I have a collection of old newspapers that we found from like World War One and the turn of the century and stuff wow. and uh, uh, things like that. Uh, and then I, I am awful with like knickknacks and stuff. Like when I travel and like I see some stupid like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like, okay, well, this isn't a stupid thing. But this is kind of cool. This is a, from a client of mine who's an artist. Oh, and wow. it's a piece of a larger painting that she cut up and dipped in epoxy. See, it's like a little brick. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, like, I have, like, stuff like this that's just, like, mementos of things I've done. Like, this, we, we did a big art gallery opening with her over the summer. And um, this is the, one of the things she gave me when I came up and visited her. It was one of the rare times I actually got to meet a client face-to-face. -face, so it was, it was really meaningful. So I keep that kind of by my desk to remind me, you know, why I do it. And So I have stuff like that that I collect oh. as well. Pretty cool. And, and lastly, you know, what is your favorite junk food if you partake? Kraft mac and cheese. <laughs> if, if that's a junk man, food, simple dude, yeah, <laughs> dude, blue box, family size, blue box, Kraft mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. like every time I, every time I make it, I have to ask my wife ahead of time. I'm like, I'm making mac and cheese. Should I make extra? She's like, I'm only going to have one bite. One bite always turns into a bowl. Like it always turns you to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, man, I just, I don't know. I've loved that since I was a kid and I still love it today. Like if I'm ever feeling like down in the dumps, Kraft Mac and Cheese brings me right up to where I need to be. It's funny because like I, I grew up in a blue cloud neighborhood and I'm much like yours. And I feel like there's always some pleasures that won't go away. You can afford like the best salads ever, but you're like, you know what? I can really go for a hot dog right about now. So. I mean, Costco hot dogs, what is dollar fifty? Yeah, mac and, box of mac and cheese is dollar twenty-five. Like <laughs> money, you know, the the best things in life are free, but the second best things are really cheap. Like, yeah, you know? and that's advice for life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show, anyway, I'm Sam Ray, the podcast for creatives. Now's the fun part. Now, if someone want to connect with you, see more about Girl House, how they go about doing that. Well, you can follow us online. We're active on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You can just search Grow House, G-R-O-H-A-U-S, to see uh, different clips we put out. Uh, you can also uh, visit us online, growhouse.org. Again, G-R-O-H-A-U-S.org. Uh, and that's where you can book a free uh, coaching session with me. You can see some of the success stories we've had with other clients and uh, read a little bit more about our philosophy and our work. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs>